everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. How do we know Jesus actually rose from the dead? Today, we're reading 1 Corinthians 15. And if you haven't yet gotten the chance to read, that's okay. But if you're able, pause this episode and do so now. In today's Devo, Grant wrote, we see in verses 1 through 11 the historical reality of Christ's resurrection. Evidently, some in the Corinthian church denied the resurrection of Christ and or the physical bodily resurrection of Christ as a whole. Paul sought to correct this way of thinking, so he went on to discuss the implications of the resurrection in the rest of the chapter. And if you've been around church for a while, you're probably a lot like me. Sometimes we forget how mind-blowing it is that Jesus actually rose from the grave. It's crazy. And if you're like me and you've been around church for a bit, the novelty of this can tend to wear off. Not in the sense that we aren't grateful, though at times we can grow complacent, and definitely not in the sense that we no longer believe, because if we're in Christ, our eternity is secure. But what I mean by the novelty wearing off is is that we can forget how mind-blowing our belief in Jesus' resurrection from the dead is to the person who has never, never in their whole life heard the story of his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So how do we know Jesus actually rose from the grave? How do we know that he was dead but conquered the grave? Some skeptics, they'll claim Jesus' body was stolen. They'll claim that Jesus' followers stole his body. But then we must ask, How did the apostles overcome the soldiers, move the stone, preeminently hide the body? Why would the apostles die for a lie? It's important for us to remember that Jesus had an honorable burial. He was buried in a marked tomb or a known tomb. Criminals, they'd typically be thrown off a cliff. So Jesus' burial, it was different. You can check it out in Matthew 27, verses 57 through 61. Meanwhile, Others will claim that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. It must have been an imposter. These skeptics will claim that Jesus had a twin brother. And so we must ask, what evidence is there for that? There's no historical or biblical record of Jesus having a twin, and his fame had grown throughout his ministry. Wouldn't people have known if it was an imposter? And besides, even historical sources support the Bible's claim that Jesus' marked tomb was indeed empty after three days. And— that he was in it. That's why it was marked. They believed that Jesus was in the tomb. Other skeptics believe that the resurrection in scripture refers to a spiritual, but not physical resurrection. But then we must consult the scriptures and ask, what happened to the body? And what did Thomas touch? Lastly, some skeptics believe Jesus's followers hallucinated. They use hallucination to explain away the claims regarding Jesus's resurrection. However, In today's chapter, we read, starting in verse 3, Paul writes, For I delivered to you, Corinthians, as of first importance what I also received. Paul has shared the good news with them, the good news that changed his life, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That last part just means that some of those people have died since then. But it's crazy. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, the resurrected Jesus, he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. So to the skeptics who use hallucinations to justify claims of the resurrection, 
I'd ask, how might 500 people all have had the exact same hallucination? That is crazy. Now, as we navigate these protests against the bodily resurrection of Jesus, it can be easy for pride to bolster up in us. Some of their beliefs can seem crazy, especially the hallucination claim. But remember, to the watching world marked by sin, our belief seems crazy. Our hearts should hurt for those who don't know truth. We should grieve their misunderstandings. In fact, we saw Paul do this really well back in Romans 10. Whenever we engage in conversations with skeptics, we have to fight the pride that comes from thinking we know everything. We know truth, but that doesn't make us superior. While we can walk confidently knowing our beliefs will stand the test of time, we've got to communicate them with kindness and gentleness. Who do you need to engage with today? Could you share this information with a friend who's struggling to believe? Or is there someone you've engaged with, maybe in a harsh or prideful way? Do you need to follow up and apologize? Sometimes we get this wrong. I know I have. But the good news is that in the midst of correction, God's grace always makes a way for redemption. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.